We're in week eight of our series called Boogeyman. And uh, in case you weren't here last week, we got merch that dropped for Boogeyman. Uh, we have a t-shirt that's pretty cool. I wore it last week. I wasn't going to wear it two weeks in a row because I didn't want to get made fun of. So, um, But it's really cool. It's got that kind of logo just on the shirt. It's a black t-shirt. Uh, and I think it's like $18 on our online store. So southcoastchristian.com slash echo, and then hit up the store, and you can buy it there. I think there's free shipping going on right now, so don't quote me on that, but when I did it, it was free, so hey-o. Um, but we're, we're in week eight. Uh, I think there's 11 total weeks, and so we're, we're, uh, we're coming up. Uh, I think there's three more after this one, and so uh, soak it all in while we have it, and we've been battling... Um, anxiety during this um, series, and I've even heard of folks during the series having really anxious things happen to them, having, having being really anxious during it, and I think that's part of the enemy's plan is that while we're trying to combat these things that they come up and they flare up, but it's good. You know what? You know why it's good? It's because when it flares up, you can address it, um, and so Here's the thing. The Bible says, Paul says to rejoice in suffering. And uh, we talked about it in our young adult small group this weekend. And it got really good. There's a couple of reasons why we can rejoice in suffering. The, the first one is because um, the, the depth of my despair uh, elevates the amount that I love God. Does that make sense? If you've ever had a good cheeseburger... The worst cheeseburger you've ever had is the scale against the good one. So the worse the bad cheeseburger is, the better the good one tastes. So it's like eating an In-N-Out burger after Daniel Fast. Oh, it tastes good. <laughs> it tastes real good. Um, and so we can rejoice when things are bad because I know that God is good and it's so much better than down here. But the other thing, the, the other reason we can rejoice in suffering is like when I have anxiety or when I have a panic attack or when I feel depressed in the midst of a series where we're talking about anxiety and those things, I can rejoice because, oh, God's bringing uh, or make, allowing this to happen so that I can address it. And you can't address something that's not there, if that makes sense. And so when you, when you, when you feel yourself being anxious, when you feel yourself um, stepping into that kind of Realm, it's really good to take notes. That's why I've been saying you should take notes through all this is because then you can just look back. You can be in your room. You're, you're anxious. You could look back. What did Brett say? What did Brett say? Um, and then you can write, rejoice. Okay, I'm going to rejoice. God's good. I'm going to be grateful. Man, my life's pretty good. All this kind of stuff, right? I'm going to pray. God, help me through this. Help me through this, right? And I'm going to be gentle and, and peaceful, right? Those types of things. And you can walk through it, and, uh, and God will help you through it. Amen? But the title of tonight's message, if you're taking notes, that, that whole thing right there was my little spiel of why you should take notes, okay? Uh, but tonight's uh, title, if you're taking notes, is Peace Out. Everybody say Peace Out. Peace Out. And there's this uh, quote from Max Lucado that's kind of at the beginning of this chapter. And here's the book that we've been uh, kind of... Um, modeling this series after, uh, at least in outline, is this book, Anxious for Nothing. And it's really great. Um, but he says at the beginning of this chapter, he says, you may be facing the perfect storm, but Jesus offers the perfect peace. You may be facing the perfect storm, 
But Jesus offers the perfect peace. Who's ever seen the movie The Perfect Storm? Anybody ever seen the movie The Perfect Storm? It's kind of old. No one. Okay, let me tell you a little story about George Clooney. Um, just kidding. So there's this movie called The Perfect Storm. And basically what it is, is it's just kind of how it sounds. There's these, there's these uh, fishermen. I think they're fishermen, right? They're on a fishing boat. Uh, they're fishermen. And, um, and so they're, they're used to the ocean. They're used to the water. They're used to um, being men of the sea and, and kind of going about uh, this whole thing. So you would think that nothing would catch them by surprise. But all of a sudden, they find themselves going into this storm. And the storm is not just any storm. It's a perfect storm. And the reason it's a perfect storm is not because it's good as imperfect, but it means that everything bad that could go wrong went wrong. So it's a complete storm. In the Old Testament, when, when you would see the word perfect in your Bible, it also translates to complete. And so Jesus was perfect, yes, but Jesus was also complete. He was whole. And so the reason we're imperfect is because we have a, a, a God-sized hole in our heart that we try to fill with everything else but God, right? And, um, and we're just incomplete. And that's how it is. But the perfect storm. So there's these giant waves and the winds are coming. And, and you've ever seen the, like, that on like the Discovery Channel, these like 100-foot waves. And the boats are kind of going through it like this. And so there's this, this movie, perfect, The Perfect Storm. The guys are ah, they're freaking out. There's these giant waves. And if that wasn't bad enough, for some reason there's terribly low temperatures. And so if they get thrown off, they're donezo. Like, it's, you can't survive in this water. So they're, they're fighting the, for their lives. Ah, and the waves are just ginormous. And then, to add on top of that, now there's a rainstorm. It's just pouring rain. Just water on the boat. They're slipping everywhere. And then and the boat's going oh, like this. And water's coming on top. And it's, ah, it's happening, right? It's crazy. And there's no resolution. They all die. I'm dead serious. That's how the movie goes. <laughs> oh, I think Danielle and I were watching it together. She's like, this is the dumbest movie I've ever seen in my life. It's actually really good. But the perfect storm shows no mercy. Okay? Outside right now when we were playing lightning, Ethan was in front of Jackson. And I said, and I whispered in Jackson's ear, I said, show no mercy. <laughs> and, and, uh, and so he got Ethan out. I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. But... I had to use it for tonight's message. So uh, the perfect storm shows no mercy. But we see, not, not necessarily that, I don't think any of us have experienced that type of storm in our life. But a lot of us have experienced the perfect storm. Right, we're failing a class and our parents are getting a divorce. Sorry, it's bugging me. We have a broken heart, and my, my, sibling, my siblings are having a tough time. Right? Or I lost a loved one right at the same time that the biggest essay of my life is due in three days. You're thinking to yourself, I don't have the capacity to write an essay right now. Right? These are examples of the perfect storm. Or there's a worldwide pandemic, and you're told to sit in your room for two years. The perfect storm. Everyone's sick, and you can't see any of your friends. Right? We've, we've all at least been to that one. <laughs> 
and it wasn't necessarily two years, but it was longer than it than it not than it should have been, but then longer than we wanted it to be. You know what I mean? I remember uh, we were working from home, and there was nobody in here, not even any seats. We were just worshiping to a camera <laughs> for like two and a half months. Over Easter, too, Easter 2020 was all online. Hey, welcome to Easter. Like, and, you know, for me, like, that was the most depressing thing. I, that, it was just terrible. I was like, man, you know, Easter's all about getting together with everybody, having Easter dinner, and we're watching Easter service from home in our pajamas. I was like, come on, you know. But anyways, we've all had the perfect storm. I like the story I always tell. It's funny. I went back and decided to play football because Danielle Double Dog dared me to. And uh, I don't know if that's how, actually how it went, but that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. But, uh, and, then I, and then I broke my leg. I, I didn't just break my leg. I broke my leg, dislocated my ankle, tore all the ligaments, then had to have surgery. Then before I had the surgery, they hit a nerve in my leg. My leg was flopping like a fish on the table. I was like, ah, and then I went under, and they came back. And then I was like, okay, I'm good. And then I got a blood clot in my leg. Oh, and then all the while, I cracked the rib, and I couldn't breathe. And it was the perfect storm, and I was freaking out. And everything ended up being okay, but in that moment... You can ask Danielle. Danielle's anxious. Danielle's calling friends, family, anybody. How, how do I, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do with him. He, like, he can't even breathe. <laughs> right? He's, like, freaking out. And I'm just sitting there. <laughs> right? It's the perfect storm. How do we get through the perfect storm? Whenever we go through the perfect storm in our life, we always have that feeling and thought, like, how am I supposed to survive through this? Because just like the movie, the perfect storm shows no mercy. I've seen the movie, they all die. Okay, so how am I supposed to make it through the perfect storm? Paul's answer is in Philippians 4, 7. And it says, And the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so before this, the scripture before this is the one where it says, Do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, remember we talked about gratitude? Let your requests be made known to God. And then when you do these things, right, when you, when, when, when you rejoice in the Lord always, right, we talked about that about four weeks ago. And then when we live a life of intentional calm and peace, and then when we pray like Ben preached about, and then last week when we are grateful, when we do these four things, then verse 7, the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And I want to point something out. We can leave that scripture up for a second. And it says, and the peace from God, right? No, it actually says the peace of God. So it's not just a peace... Not just any other, any ordinary peace that God is giving to us. A, a peace from God. No, it's the peace of God. Meaning that it's different than any peace that we've ever experienced. And it says it right here. Which surpasses all understanding. The reason it surpasses all understanding is because we've never felt it before. But when we do these things, when we rejoice in the Lord, when we're grateful, when we pray, when we, when we are intentionally calm... Paul writes that the peace of God which surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And so he lays out a step process of how we can get there. And that's how we survive the perfect storm. 
And Paul is writing this, and you think, well, how can you even say that? How can you say that? But Paul's, like I've been saying, Paul's writing this in prison. After like six shipwrecks, after being bitten by a poisonous snake, after being beaten almost to death multiple times, having stones thrown at him until his heart almost stops. And they think he's dead, so they stop. Oh, he must be dead. And if they were trying to kill him, He'd be almost dead, basically dead. Okay, let's throw a couple more, make sure he's dead. And then, okay, he's probably dead. And he survived all that. And then he says that you can obtain a peace that surpasses all understanding. When Paul doesn't even know when he gets out of this jail cell, when the next one's going to come. When the next beating's going to happen. When the next shipwreck's going to happen. He's probably thinking, I, I don't, at this point, I might get eaten by a lion and survive. I don't know. Like, he's just gone through a lot, and he could say that you can have a peace that surpasses all understanding. And so not to say that your problems aren't a big deal. They are. But if Paul can go through it and find God's peace, then we could go through it and find God's peace. Amen? This peace is not a goal achieved, it's a gift received. So this peace that we're talking about is not something I'm striving for, it's something that I'm accepting. I don't have to work really hard to get to this peace. I just have to say yes. Right, and that's what all those things that we've talked about, rejoicing in the Lord is just knowing, if you... If you are accepting of this peace, you're rejoicing in God, right? Because you're like, I should be freaking out right now, but I'm not. I don't know how. And I'm rejoicing in the Lord. And I'm grateful for the things that God has brought into my life. And, and, and then in prayer, you're, you're having conversations with God. You're, you're becoming more of who you're supposed to be because of intimacy with God, right? And then when we have this contagious calm, we, we seek after calm because because of this peace, right? It, all we have to do is accept it. So it's not a goal achieved. It's a gift received. John 14, 27. Let's see if I can get there quick. I know it's on the screen, but. 14, 27 says, Peace I leave with you, peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. This is Jesus saying, peace I leave with you. Jesus is saying, I I leave this peace with you. My peace. And he says, my peace I give to you. So it's the same thing when it says the peace of God. It's not a peace from God, but Jesus is saying, literally, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. The Bible ensures that God will protect the minds and hearts of his people. And this is all part of it, right? This peace is part of this protection over our minds and our hearts. In Acts 27, if you have your Bibles, we'll turn there because we'll, we'll land on a scripture in there. But Acts 27, I preached about this like a few months ago. This was the... In, in the set of chapters that I was set to preach on. Which at first when I read. There was like four chapters. It was like um, 24 through 28. And my dad was like. Hey man you're finishing out the series. Go for it. And I, and I read these chapters. And I was like. 
what, what am I supposed to preach about? Like, because all of chapter, like two of the chapters are just of Paul deciding he wants to get tried in Rome. So then he gets on a boat and they go somewhere. And then once they're there, then they get on another boat. And then they're going to go. And Paul says, wait, we should probably not go. The weather's going to be bad. It'll be really bad. And then they go. And then once again, they get shipwrecked. And then they land on this island. And then he gets bitten by a snake. And then he doesn't get hurt. So then the people think he's a god and they worship him. And then it's like Pirates of the Caribbean. Like, Paul is Johnny Depp. Like, it, he's, he's Jack Sparrow, dude. Like, you know. And so he's like, oh, you know. So they worship him. And then and he's like, no, 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 don't worship me. It's God, you know. And then, and then he gets back on another boat and then goes to Rome. And that's the story. How am I supposed to preach on that? Like, we, sh- I, we, sh- we should have just, it should have been Pirates of the Caribbean 7. Like, that's just, they should have just made a movie about it. That's it. You know what I mean? But, like, there's, there's, there's some really good things out of, out of this story, actually, when you really dive deep. Because in the midst of this, especially when you take Philippians into account, when Paul is in the midst of this storm, right, the perfect storm, He's George Clooney in this scene. And everything is going haywire. And Paul looks at all the other men on the boat and he says, I told you so. <laughs> Basically. He says, you should have listened to me. Uh, now we're going to get shipwrecked. But then he says, but take heart. None of us are going to die. Just the boat's going to die. And we'll be okay. And so... Like, when you don't know what Paul's writing about, it's hard to imagine, like, how he could even say that. But he says, the peace of God will be with you. Right? He says all these things, rejoice in suffering. And you're like, Paul, how can you say that? But Paul literally did it. Like, in the middle of about to be shipwrecked. And being shipwrecked is not a pleasant thing. Like, it's not like, oh, our boat fell over. Like, like there's definitely thoughts that I am going to die. And Paul was just like, hey, guys, take heart. We're not going to die. What? This is what he literally says in Acts 27, uh, verse 21 through 22. He says, since, uh, since they had been without food for a long time. So there's been two weeks of this storm. They've been without food, meaning that they could have ran out, ran out of food, but really what most theologians think is that they were so sick they stopped eating the food because of this for two weeks, okay? So they had been without food for a long time. Paul stood up among them and said, men, you should have listened to me not have set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. Basically, told you so, idiots, right? And then he says in verse 22, yet now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. And probably a fair warning to the captain, don't go down with this ship, (laughs) But there's an interesting principle in this. The sailors gave up and the apostle didn't. The guy who wasn't a sailor told them what was going to happen. And he had faith in the process. But here's the hard part. Yes, Paul said, hey, we're good. We're going to survive. It's all going to be good. But the hard part is he did just rebuke them. 
Paul rebukes them because they didn't listen. And the anxiety stemmed from their rebellion. The anxious situation came from disobedience. He said, we shouldn't do this. It's going to be bad. We're going to get shipwrecked again. And I've already been shipwrecked four times. I don't really want to go for a fifth. And they said, no, we're going to do it anyways. And so when it's about to happen, he rebukes them and says, you didn't listen to me, but we're going to find peace. So what I get from this is we have to take a really good look at ourselves and, and, and see if the things that are making us anxious in our lives are because we weren't obedient. And sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's out of our hands. Sometimes things just happen. But a lot of times we made some bad choices that led to bad situations that now leave us in a state of anxiety. And so just like Paul rebukes these sailors, God offers us a gentle rebuke, a correction, if you will. And we should take it. Understand that we did wrong, but then you know what Paul follows it right up with? Take heart. Basically, peace be still. And so we can acknowledge that we've done wrong. We can acknowledge that we've messed up. And we can acknowledge that the thing we're anxious about was something we created in the first place and still get the peace of God right after it. But it's necessary to understand if it was our fault or not. You look back and say, oh, man, I shouldn't have cheated on that test. And now I'm really worried that my teacher is going to find out. And if she finds out, I'm going to fail this class. And I can't afford to fail this class. And I'm anxious about this. Right? Oh, I shouldn't have talked to my friend that way. Or the teacher that way. Or my parents that way. I'm really afraid that I'm going to get in trouble. My parents are going to be really mad. I'm going to be grounded. I'm not going to be able to hang out with my friends. Or a big one. Man, I should have just waited until marriage. Right? And you're like, oh, man. You know, I made a mistake. Or this one. I, I shouldn't question God's creation so much. Every time I look in the mirror and I'm just mad at God because of how he made me. But he says that I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. So the anxiety about my self can't be from him. It's got to be from me. And so the good news is at the end of the acknowledgement of disobedience is peace. On the backside of the confession is redemption. Is repentance. That's, that's the whole idea of repentance. Is to walk and say, you know what? I can't take another step in this direction. So I'm going to go this way. That's what repentance is. Amen? Peace can come even after the disobedience. But receive God's rebuke if you need to. He corrects those that he loves. Stand corrected. Move forward. Do better. Amen? Hebrews 
I'm not going to turn to that one. We can throw it up here. Hebrews 1.14. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? So a lot of people think Hebrews was written by Paul. We don't really know, but I'm just going to, we're just going to assume it was Paul, okay? But I don't know if 100% sure. But Paul or whoever wrote this is talking about angels. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? Those who belong to God, God literally sends protection around you. Angels, his spirit, all of it. People, God cares for you. He wants to protect you, right? It's in, it's in, the, it's in the Bible. So don't give up. God is working for your good all the time, amen? Isaiah 40, 31. Let's turn there. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I heard a message this last weekend that says this. I'm burnt out for two reasons. If I'm exhausted, it's for two reasons. It's one, first reason is because I'm not keeping up with God. The second reason is because I'm too far ahead of God. And so I've got to learn how to walk at the pace of grace. I've got to learn how to walk at the pace that Jesus walked. And if you read the Bible, Jesus was never in a hurry, but he was busy. But he never ran to the next town. The reason he was busy was because he allowed time for people. But... He moved at a relatively slow pace. And so sometimes we are just stagnant, and God's way over there. And he's like, come on, you know, and you're like, I'm so tired. Right? It's because we're not walking with God. Or sometimes we're so far ahead, God, i got all these dreams. I gotta, I gotta, and then God's way back there, and he's like, hey, you didn't finish this part. <laughs> you're, too, you're, you're too far ahead, and we're actually supposed to go that way. <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, okay, Right? But when we wait, can we throw that one back up? But when we wait on the Lord, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Sometimes I just, I want to walk and not faint. Amen. So you are protected. Like this says, you're protected by a good father. Acts 27, 23, so right after this shipwreck thing, he says, Paul says, For this very night there stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. And so I don't know if you've had a good example of a father or if you've had a good example of parents even or if you've felt the love of a good father, but, but God is a good a really, really good father. And Paul acknowledges that he belongs to God. He says right there in that scripture, he says, before me an angel of the God to whom I belong. He doesn't just follow God, he belongs to him. Right? I don't just know of God and hope to get on the, on, on the right side of God, his good side. I, I belong to God. I'm his. The Bible says that I'm his child. And so whether I've had good examples of parents or not, and I've been blessed with a great father and a great mother, but I know some of you might have not been. Or, and, but no matter the case, 
He's a father to the fatherless. Right, and he's a good father. He's better, and my dad's a good dad, but he's better than my dad. And I belong to God. Right, it's just like how I hear my son crying right now, but he's okay, hopefully. <laughs> but you guys have been through this whole journey with Danielle and I of, of, of um, when she was pregnant and how funny it was. She's leading worship with this big old belly, you know, and, now, and we're having all fun. And then there's this cute little kid that pops out, oh, my gosh. And then, and then now she's, like, practicing on Sunday mornings with him, his little headphones. And he's like, mm, you know. And, and he's a cute little kid. I love him. His name's Vince, and he's my favorite. And, but here's the thing. Vince, because he's mine, like he's my son. There is nothing I won't do to protect him. Like, literally nothing. Like, it's like if someone was like, held a gun to my head and said, Brett, I got to shoot you or Vince dies. I said, pull the trigger. Actually, I'll pull the trigger. Like, it's like, dog, like, you know, I'll do anything for this kid because I love him because he's mine. And if I'll go to the ends of the earth, like, let's say, you know, Liam Neeson style, if Vince gets taken, it's going to be. It's going to be worse than that, all right? Write a movie about me because I'm going anywhere, everywhere. I'm getting Vince back. You know what I mean? Danielle's like, bro, you're crazy. But I literally, I, you know what I mean? Like, I would go to the ends of the earth to find If they're like, Vince got dropped in the Amazon somewhere, I said, well, <laughs> give me a compass. Let's go. I'm finding this kid. You know what I mean? Like, and I'll go. It's like, you know, there's always like the search party. Oh, he's just gone. No, he's not gone. You know, I'm still looking. I'm still looking. I will go to the ends of the earth for Vince. And if I'll do that for Vince... How much more would God do that for you? And here's the thing. I love all you enough that I would go to pretty far lengths to, get, to, to rescue you from a bad situation. I really would. Pretty close almost enough as much as I would for Vince because I love you guys that much. And if I love you like that, how much more could God love you? And then we're anxious about... <laughs> The sky is falling and it's falling disproportionately on me. And God's like, but you're mine. And he's saying, look, if, if Brett would save Vince from anything, why wouldn't I save you? And God doesn't promise that we won't suffer. God doesn't promise that bad things won't happen in our lives. But he does promise to protect our minds and our hearts. And we have to trust him in that. And when we try to take control and when we try to try to make up a scenario that's not even there, we take control of our own mind and we take the, the protection of God away. And that's why we become perpetually anxious. Paul belonged to God and so do you. Galatians 4.7, let's throw that up. Galatians 4.7 says, So you are no longer a slave but a son or a child. And if a son or a child, then an heir through God. So you're not just a child. You're an heir to the throne. Is what it says. The Bible says that we'll all one day be rulers of different things. It's like, oh, cool. What am I going to rule of? Like candy shop or something? I'll be the Willy Wonka. Yay, you know. Chocolate factory. That's mine. <laughs> I don't know. But basically what it's saying is like, if, if, if God is the king of kings, if Jesus is the king of kings and the Lord of lords and, and we are his children... I'm kind of a big deal. And you're kind of a big deal. And let's say we go to some nation, right? Let's, let's say we, we kidnap one of the princes of England. We just kidnap him. You know, 
that entire country is coming after us. And when the devil tries to snatch one of you up, all of heaven is like, let's freaking go, right? And they're coming after you because why you belong to God. And so you can have security, like, I'm taking care of, like, God is good because if, if the English parliament, if, the, if, their, if, if their whole country will come after some goofy little prince, right, God, all of heaven's coming for me. So go ahead, devil, come at me, do what you want, but I got protection. I got God's number. Oh, my, stop it. I wore that yesterday in the gym. Everyone's looking at me like, what? What's his number? <laughs> Paul knew he'd survive the storm because his call was on the other side of the storm. God said, Paul, I want you to go here. And in the midst of him going there, the storm happened. So Paul said, well, I'm not done with what he told me he was going to do. So I'm still going. God's not finished with us. Right? God knows the length of our lives. And we can't change that. The only thing we can can change is the quality of our lives. How are you going to live from here to here? Some of us have a 80 years, 90 years, 100 years. Some of us, unfortunately, this is how the world works. Some people will have 40, 50 years, 20 years. I don't know. Crazy things happen. But how are you going to live from here to here? You going to live for Jesus or are you going to just, eh, right? God hasn't promised a life with no storms, but he promised to be with you in the storm. There's another, my last example, then I'm, and then I'm done. Um, anybody ever heard of the story of Jehoshaphat? He's got a funny name. Fat with a PH. Um, <laughs> did, does anybody know what that, what that means, like fat with a PH? Anybody? No? That's like the old school. Like when I was growing up, that's what, that's what was like the word for like thick with three Cs. It's a fat with a PH. Anyways, um, thick with that type 1 diabetes, you know what I mean? Um, just kidding. All right, too far. Um, <laughs> okay, Jehoshaphat with a PH. <laughs> God, like I said, God hasn't promised we won't go through a storm, but He promised He'll be in it. So Jehoshaphat is uh, king at this time, and he's figuring out there's multiple armies, multiple nations that are against Israel, and he's like, God, how are we supposed to fight these people? There's no way. We're outnumbered by three times. And God says, you know, trust me, uh, I'll get you through. And they, and they talk and he prays, okay, okay. And so Je- Jehoshaphat makes a decision, you know what, we're going to lead with worshipers. And we're going to go. And so we're going to worship and we're going to praise God and we're going to sing songs and we're going to play our instruments and we're going to walk. Like imagine how crazy that would be nowadays. Like right now there's craziness going on, not that we need to, whatever, but there's craziness going on right now in Russia and Ukraine or whatever. What if like the Ukrainian army just came out singing songs to God? Just like, you know, that would be tough. But we, I mean, we've, that's actually, anyways, we'll go, I could go on for a long time about that. That's tough as nails, but, and I bet you God would show up. Um, But Jehoshaphat takes his army and leads with these worshipers. And when they show up to the battle, the battlefield where they're supposed to get slaughtered, they show up, and the two armies that were supposed to fight them are fighting each other, and they roll up, and everyone's dead. Joe's fat check, checked his maps. Did we go in the right place? 
Hey, Siri, is this the valley? Of, no, I'm just but they were at the right place, and, and God orchestrated it, so they didn't even have to fight the battle. And that's how it is for us. When we are God's children, we roll up to battles already won for us. Especially if we take the advice of Jehoshaphat and lead with worship. I'm anxious. I'm depressed. I'm stressed. Lead with worship. I'm an- I don't know what to do in this scenario. My parents are fighting. I- I- I'm-, I'm struggling. Lead with worship. Lead with prayer. Lead with gratitude and thanksgiving, right? It- the things that we've talked about, if you lead with this, you'll show up in the battles already won. We're made victors because of Christ. Lead with worship. I'm going to tell you about the first miracle I ever saw. And I'll just do this real quick. It's the last, very, very last thing. I lied about the last one being the last thing, but this is the last thing. The first miracle I ever saw, I was a kid. I was in, in our kitchen. It was me, my mom, my sister, my brother. And my mom was making some cookies and stuff. And so you guys know, like, you, you, you know, you got the bowl and then you got the, the thing that mixes everything. It's got the two little things that go you know, in opposite directions. You guys ever seen that? Okay, so my mom sets this up. It's like one of those big ones. She sets it up, and then she goes to plug it in, and when she plugs it in, it's on. Plugs it in, and then Brittany starts screaming. Brittany's, Brittany had, before my mom turned it on, Brittany had lodged her hand in between the two beaters. And this thing goes, and Brittany's screaming, 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 screaming. And my mom... In hindsight, like she probably should have just unplugged the thing, but in, but in the moment, she just starts screaming, Jesus, 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 oh Lord. And I'm like this like four-year-old kid, and I start screaming, Jesus, Jesus, help Brittany, help Brittany. I'm just a little kid, and I'm just young. And Brittany's hand, no joke, like I saw it with my own eyes. Her hand, it was like all the bones in her hand went away for a sec, and her hand just came out, and she was calm. She stopped crying. And we looked at her hand. She still, to this day, has no scars on her hand. When she was a two-year-old little kid with her hand stuck in a mixer. And she, she was crying initially. And then when we started praying and, 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 and praising God in, in that moment, like, God, help her, right? She stopped crying and then just pulled her hand out. So just lead with worship. Jesus is a more powerful name than you give it credit. And God is a bigger God than you think he is. And your situation is a smaller situation than you think it is to God. And just like we talked about a couple weeks ago, God is like that world-renowned surgeon, ankle surgeon, (laughs) who you are complaining about a sprained ankle to. And he's like, hey, you're going to be fine. So let us trust in God. Let us know that if we... Lead with worship, we show up to battles that are already won. Amen? Last thing real quick, Isaiah 43.2. This one's real. Why don't we stand up? We're going to leave with this. And this is a promise. This is a promise to, to us. And when God says it, I believe it, so I'm going to read it. Amen? When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers... They shall not overwhelm you. (laughs) When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. So let's pray. So Jesus, as we walk through this life, let the flame not consume us. 
God, let not the worries of this world overwhelm us. Help us to find your peace, not just a peace that comes from you, but the peace that is you. And God, so we just lift you up and we worship you and we thank you in advance, God, for what you're doing in our lives and how you're helping us to overcome our stress and our anxiety and, and the things that make this world so crazy. And so, God, we just thank you for choosing us, though, to be in this world at this time because we're going to make a difference. And so we just honor you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. 